2: How fun was that? Welcome in everybody to another episode of the Packaday podcast. I'm your host Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. That was one of the more fun, entertaining preseason games that I can ever remember, certainly from a Packers standpoint as well. The Packers defeat the Cincinnati Bengals 36-19. to An extremely fun game, tons of action, huge big plays, tons of takeaways. I don't even know what I want to start with or end with. There is so much to go over. I feel like we could probably talk for like two hours and we would still probably not get to things, but I'll try to keep it as detailed but succinct as possible Let's start from the beginning. Let's start Let's start with who did not play in this game. There's going to be a lot of players that we go over that did play, but a handful that did not. Eric Stokes, obviously still on the PUP list. Jair Alexander did not play. Now we had expected this to sort of be one of those situations where he didn't practice this week and he probably wasn't going to play in the game anyway. We did learn that he does have some very minor groin injury, which also kept him out Doesn't sound like it's anything to be concerned about, but there is a light injury there for Jair, but he did not play. Lou Nichols, who's been out. Innes Gaines, who's been out. Rashawn Gary, just coming back. Jake Hansen, who's been out. Bakhtiari, who was never expected to play. Josiah Deguara, who just came back into individual drills. And then the two sort of surprise ones, um, but not super surprising. Grant DuBose did not play. He just got back into individual and team drills. He has done some team stuff. You kind of figured that maybe they would like to get him in this game just because there's not much time left to evaluate him. But they did play it safe. They did not put him in in this game. And then Kenny Clark, the really only the outside of Bakhtiari, I guess, but again, he's kind of a constant injury issue. Clark really the only player who you know was basically on veteran, like he's an awesome player. We're giving him the day off sort of thing, it seemed like. So those are the players who did not play against Stokes, Alexander, Nichols, Gaines, Gary, Hansen, Bakhtiari, Deguara, DuBose, and Clark. So 10 total. Your starting offense on the day was Jordan Lovett, quarterback, Aaron Jones at running back, who played one play, they got him a ball a little bit on the outside on a pass play, and then we're like, we're good, we're done with Aaron Jones from that point on. Musgrave and Kraft at tight end, Watson and Dobbs at wide receiver, and then left to right on the offensive line, Yash Nyman, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Runyon Jr., and Zach Tom. On the defensive side of things, starters were Devontae Wyatt and TJ Slayton on the defensive line. Hollins and Smith were your edge rushers. Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell at inside linebacker. Razul and Valentine were the outside corners. Nixon was in the slot. And then Owens and Savage were at safety. So of course, the biggest thing is going to always be pretty much every game, every practice, every everything. Jordan Love and how did he play? He ended up getting two series on the day. So let's kind of go. Well, even before we get over this, You guys got the exact Jordan Love experience that I've been talking to you guys about every single day. I mean, seriously, right? This is what we saw in practice. This is what we saw at family night. This is what we saw in game one of preseason. And we saw him have complete control of the offense. We saw him go through progressions every single read was the right read. Like he made fantastic reads. He knew where to go with the ball. His cadence was good, his command was good, his control was good, his footwork was good. Like everything was perfect. And like he every single play he knew exactly where to go with it. He had again, it's it's uncanny how just like in tune with exactly what the offense is trying to accomplish that he is so far in training camp, family night and preseason. But you see some inaccuracies from time to time, right? And specifically on this one with the Luke Musgrave pass, one of the things that I talked about in the pregame show is I wanted to see Jordan hit the layups. Now he hit some easy layups, right? He hit the easy layup to Aaron Jones in the flat. And then I think it was Musgrave on the other side, the pop pass to Jaden Reed. Those are like the easy, easy, those, those are the the dunks with nobody within you know, a half court of you, right? but I wanted to see him hit those easy plays and specifically that play to Luke Musgrave, right? It's a third down play and note how quickly, and I mean, insanely quick that Luke Musgrave cleared that linebacker and got open on that play. It was it was awesome, right? And he is going to be that type of dude all season long for Green Bay and meaning Luke Musgrave. But that is their third down play, Musgrave comes screaming wide open and you could almost see like even before the ball uh, you know reached its destination or missed its destination, you could see like he really like unloaded into that throw and he really didn't need to. In fact, if anything, with the separation, he had like 10 yards of separation between him and anyone else on the field at that point. It just make it safe, especially on third down. I know that Jordan would have loved to have hit him in stride to make sure that he could continue upfield and make that play perfect. But in that situation, third down You know, you've got a guy that wide open, and he's a six foot, whatever, six foot six, and just an insanely, you know, massive human being. Like, just get it in his vicinity. If he, if it's a little bit behind him, whatever, it's okay. He's going to come down with it and pick up the first down. It doesn't need to be perfect. And instead, I think he tried to guide it a little bit too much, put a little bit too much mustard on it, and he missed it. And that is an issue, right? That sort of accuracy or inaccuracy has been an issue from day one of training camp and it's been there uh, you know, at, at family night. Now it's been there in that first preseason game as well. Now, to be abundantly clear, that was one throw out of 10 that he missed. That's, that's shooting pretty well. But again, it's an easy enough throw that you want to see him complete that. I would have wanted Sean Clifford or Alex Magoo to complete that pass and would have graded them harshly if they missed that pass. And we'd be talking about that too, right? but this is Jordan Love starting QB, and those are the ones that he needs to hit, especially when it's schemed so perfectly open in that type of situation and scenario. So I'm not trying to be hard on Jordan Love in any capacity here. I thought he had a really nice performance overall, but that's the throw that's going to stick out a little bit because there was a huge opportunity for a big play on a third down and it was just missed. There wasn't a ton of pressure. He had the opportunity to step into it and he just missed it. And that's the exact Jordan Love experience. Everything else, if you want to check everything else that you wanted to see from Jordan Love, he aced it perfectly. Now we can talk about the throw to Watson down the field and both Matt LaFleur and Jordan Love, in their post game said, what he should have done is held the safety a little bit longer. Now I did like, he drops back to pass. He knows he's going to Watson on the left side. He did look the safety to the right. Now the safety Dax did not really bite on it all that much. And Matt LaFleur said he would have liked to have, you know, make sure that he held the safety longer and I, I, trust me, I'm not disagreeing with Matt LaFleur or Jordan Love. I believe that they're a million percent right. I do appreciate the fact that Love was working to look him off, and I did just think you have to tip your cap a little bit to Dax Hill for not really biting all the way right, for making sure that he was within distance, then making an incredible break on the ball, hitting it at the exact right point, and then knocking the ball away. So do tip your cap to Dax Hill on that play as well. Probably could have held him a little bit longer. Maybe could have hit Watson a little bit more to the sideline. It was a perfect throw. Otherwise, if the safety's not there, it's a massive play, right? Unfortunately, that's what the safety's paid to do is to be exactly there on that play. And maybe he could have held him a little bit longer. Is that an egregious play by Jordan Love or something that's like, man, we've we've really got to fix? No, it's not at all. It's going to be like, all right, I got to hold him for a tick longer next time and then throw that ball. And things probably go perfectly, right? That's something he's going to learn from. So outside of that, so here was his day overall. He gets the two easy throws to start to Jones and Musgrave. And I love that for Matt LaFleur. He schemed up two perfectly easy throws for love to get that rhythm. I talked about some of the jitters that he maybe had in a couple of the, like the first practice and in family night. This was a way to get that rhythm uh, just going for Jordan and two really easy passes to start the day. He then had that deep ball to Watson, which he hit perfectly in stride. It's just Again, should have looked the safety off a little bit more and, and Dax Hill made a great play on the ball. Then he had the miss to, to Musgrave that we talked about, the pop pass to Jaden Reed, then the, the tight end screen where Musgrave probably needs to open up in a little bit of a different window so Jordan can get that off, but great play by the defender to just knock it down. Would have been a big play to Musgrave had it have been you know able to be completed. Nothing Love could have done differently on that play. And then on the third down, you've got the little quick out route to Watson that Love had the perfect timing on. Then I really like the play where Jordan rolled to the left, and it's a you know bootleg play, and everyone's rolling, and then you know him and Romeo showing the chemistry, right? Where Romeo stopped right where he needed to stop, right in the middle of that that, that soft spot in the zone, and then Love hit him perfectly right on that spot. It was only eight yards, but Love was patient, and he was on the same page as Romeo Dobbs, which is what you love to see. And then he hits Watson for negative one on the right side, and then he just throws a really beautiful soft touch throw to Romeo Dobbs in the corner of the end zone, allows Dobbs to go and get it, put it in a spot where either Dobbs was going to get it. Maybe the defender could have got a hand in and knocked it away, but it was not in harm's way. And he gave his receiver a great chance to go and get the ball. And that's exactly what Romeo Dobbs did. So I thought overall, very nice day from Jordan, seven of 10, 46 yards, a touchdown, 112.9 QB rating. The one throw we'd like to have back is the Musgrave throw. He hits the Musgrave throw and everything else's is, stat is the same. We're talking about like an A performance, right? I would put it at a B, maybe even a B minus simply because I wanna see that throw. I wanna see that throw to Musgrave. Everything else I really liked, thought it was a solid performance, solid outing, everything I sort of would have expected going into this game. I just really wanna see him hit those layups. And once he does, like I said, he's doing everything else at a very, very high level right now, which is super, super promising for Jordan moving forward. All right, the next player we have to talk about is Carrington Valentine. He has the near pick interception that ends up in a PBU. He has another PBU. He has a pass breakup over the back. I think he might have even had another one. Like he was just all over the place. He has the interception and he has the jumping tackle at the line of scrimmage, maybe even for a loss on the play. Just got a little piece of the running back in air and 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 made that play. What a massive, massive night for Carrington Valentine. This is a player that I talked about in OTAs and mini camps, where he made those couple plays on Romeo Dobbs, and I was and I did a double take, and I'm like, all right, all right, Carrington, that's an eye catcher, just because of his his closing ability, the swagger he had. They threw it at him back to back plays. He had, the first play he contested, the second play he actually batted the ball away, and like you you just saw like something there, and I'm like I I, I said after uh, OTAs mini camps, like I didn't want to go too far with it, but I was really keeping an eye on him. And then training camp comes, he's got the pick six. He has multiple pass breakups, a phenomenal pass breakup against Christian Watson on one particular practice. Just kept making plays. Then we saw him with the starters this week and you know what he did again? He made more plays. He has two pass breakups against uh, Jamar Chase in Bengals practice. And it's like, all right, but like, these are just practices. What is he going to do in a game? And he just dominates. Like he literally dominated. And yes, you can make an argument that he was maybe over the. I actually like the no call on the over the back pass breakup because if you look at him, he's going, he's making a play on the ball, and he's actually not like really interfering or like really affecting what the receiver is doing. He's got a hand on him, but the hand on him is not pushing him down, and then he kind of gets his hand over the top to break up the pass. Probably called 80% of the time, maybe even more. But I, I kind of like the play and him being aggressive on that. And I kind of like the no call, if I'm being honest. And then you could say, well, the interception was tipped. He made the read right away on the interception that it was going to be overthrown. And he backed up to catch the pass. It's just that the offensive player just got high enough to kind of tip it and, and try to basically break it up. I mean, he went for the catch, but there was no chance he was going to catch it. And then great job by Valentine to off the ricochet to still catch the ball. And then he bobbled it again in, in while doing so, and then still had the wherewithal to make the interception. I mean, he has done everything asked of him so far. He has played An extremely well-disciplined outside corner. He's been stout at the at uh like the um at at jamming the wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. Like he closes extremely fast. He's got all the swagger in the world. He's been great at the catch point. Like I don't know what else to say at this point. And you have to do it in the regular season. And I don't know how he gets on the field because Jair and and uh, Razul are not coming out at outside corner. And Stokes is going to come back at some point, which is going to be a really interesting conversation. None of these guys are slot corners, which means Nixon's going to play in the slot. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you have to start seeing what he can do in the slot, at least just to see. I'm even to the point of like, do you, do you try him at safety just to see Like, I don't want to put him at safety. I think he's a pure corner. I don't, and I don't think he'd necessarily be good there, but like, if you're trying to get your best defensive backs on the field, do you not at least have to like, see, like that's how good he's been. Is it like you just have to ask the questions of how do you get that guy on the field because he's been that freaking good at everything. OTAs, mini camps, training camp, joint practice, family night, preseason game. He's answered every question so far. He has been phenomenal. What a find in the 7th round. Let's talk about another rookie. How about this time a 5th round pick? Sean Clifford, the guy that many people said didn't deserve to be drafted. Shouldn't have been drafted. That Green Bay overreached on him and everything like that. Twenty for twenty-six. All right, that's that's pretty impressive. First of all, and not like he was just dumping off you know little dinks and dunks here and there. He had some big time, big time throws. Those throws to Dontavian Wicks and a couple of the slants to Malik Keith and whoo, he had some really big time throws on tape. Twenty of twenty-six. 208 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, added two carries for 27 yards. Let's get the ugly part over with first, the two interceptions. Now, you might say in a minute here, like, Andy, you just complained that Jordan missed one throw to Luke Musgrave on a crosser, and you're now going to give complete accident forgiveness to Sean Clifford on two interceptions? Yes, you heard that right. They're in two very different spots. One's the starter in his fourth year, the other's in a rookie making his very first playing time, and the, the throw to Musgrave was clean as day, clean pocket, etc. cetera. The, the Clifford stuff was a little bit more interesting. So let's start with the two, the two picks, right? The first one, Sean Ryan gets beat immediately. Like he gets annihilated and there is pressure right away in Clifford's face. And he sees the crosser, he sees it coming open, he knows he has to make a split-second decision, and he throws the crosser, doesn't see the defensive back coming down. Tip your cap again to the defensive back for jumping the route and making a great play. It's on Clifford because you can't throw if you don't know where, you, like what's in front of the receiver. You have to have vision on where you're throwing the ball. That's QB 101. So I'm not absolving him completely. But I am saying the pressure was probably the biggest thing that led to that, and the safety made a great jump on the ball, and it's his first time in a in an NFL game, preseason or not, and I'm willing to give him a lot of accident forgiveness on that particular play. The next one is to Tucker Craft. Now, he does throw it a bit behind Tucker Craft. I need to see Tucker Craft win that ball. like Not only just make sure that it's not intercepted, I'd like to see Tucker Craft wrestle that away and make an aggressive play on it and go catch it. Was it a perfect ball to Tucker? No. Did the defensive back, same defensive back, by the way, make a great play on that ball and rip it away? Yes. Was it a horrible pass? No, it was behind Kraft a little bit. And the the pass ultimately gave the safety a little bit of an opportunity to get in on that play. It's not an egregious throw. And like I said, I would have liked to have seen Kraft be a little bit more aggressive with that and at least make sure that it's not intercepted. It's not a huge deal. Here's what I took away from this, right? 20 of 26, 208 touchdown, two picks. I saw everything that I needed to from Sean Clifford to say A that he's the backup quarterback, and B that there's some real developmental upside here. Spun the ball well, extreme agility, knew the offense, knew where to go with the ball, knew where his checkdowns were. Like he had a great play, like where pressure. He went through his progressions, pressure came, and he threw it. He threw it a little bit behind Patrick Taylor as, it, as his outlet, but right before getting sacked swung it out to Patrick Taylor. Taylor caught it. it. It ended up going, I think for no gain, but it just shows you he knew exactly where Taylor were, was on his, on his checkdown to get rid of the ball with like no time left, like right at the last split second, he hung in the pocket to make throws. I don't, I can't imagine what more like, yes, could have maybe he just taken the sack rather than throwing the pick six. Sure. Could he have thrown a slightly better ball to Tucker Kraft? Yes. On the little bootleg rolling to his left where I thought he did a phenomenal job setting his feet. Could he have, you know, got the ball out there to Austin Allen rather than missing him at his feet? Yes. But my goodness, he showed me that he had everything needed to be an NFL quarterback. And it's going to take some time. He's not there yet as a full-time, you know, you know, quarterback with everything at his disposal, but he showed deep throws. He showed touch. He showed accuracy. He showed accuracy he did everything. I it was in a massively, massively impressive performance. I would say of all the players in this game, the player that was the most surprising to me, I know for some, it's maybe Emmanuel Wilson, who we're going to talk to in a second, outside of maybe me not knowing Emmanuel Wilson had the speed to run away with an 80 yard run. That surprised me. Other than that, that that's the exact same stuff I saw at Emmanuel Wilson in practice every day. But Sean Clifford was to me, the one that I did not see that performance coming. I thought that was super impressive and something to really, really build upon for Sean Clifford as a base moving forward. Uh, You can easily see now why they they moved on from Danny Etling and just said, Sean Clifford's gonna be that guy. I thought this was a really impressive performance. Like I said, something to really build on for him moving forward.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
1: thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash blue wire. That's harrys.com slash blue wire for a $3 trial set. Next up, number four on my list of what I wanted
2: to discuss. And we've got a lot more to go. There's so much. I'm gonna I'll, we'll, we'll get to rapid pace here in just a moment. But Emmanuel Wilson, six carries, 111 yards, two touchdowns. Remember, he also had like a 20-ish yard run that was called back due to a Deuce Watts holding penalty, which I don't think affected the play all that much what a massive day for Emmanuel Wilson. As I tweeted out, Emmanuel Wilson has officially entered the chat. I have talked about four running backs this entire time, and I've not done that for other positions. I have said Tyler Goodson, Patrick Taylor, Lou Nichols, and Emmanuel Wilson, because in my opinion, this is a player that showed enough from right from the get-go that he at least has to be in that conversation. He is now not only in the conversation, he is well within the conversation and might even be nipping at everyone to be the leader in the clubhouse for the conversation at number three running back. And yes, I mean that wholeheartedly. That was a big time performance from Emmanuel Wilson he had the touchdown run early. He had another run inside that might've even been more impressive than the touchdown run simply because he made a couple really nice moves inside then broke a tackle and stayed behind his pads. The 80 yard touchdown run where he showed great vision, a nice juke, getting to the outside and then the burst up the field, which is like, like I mentioned, I did not know he had that at his disposal. What an impressive day from Emmanuel Wilson. He's gonna to have to show on special teams, pass pro catching out of the backfield too. But that was some pretty special stuff from Wilson. He also uh, on Instagram a few days ago put this out there that in a few days, quote, in a few days it will be year fourteen of my pops passing. Also in a few days it will be my first NFL game. I'm not sure what you have planned for me on the 11th, Father, but I thank you in advance. And chills just even reading it. What a story. 14 years to the day that his dad passed away, thanked his dad three days in advance for what was going to happen on the 11th. And he goes six for 111 with two touchdowns and is very much in the conversation for a 53 man roster spot. Now, really cool day and cool story from Emmanuel Wilson. Next up, I want to talk about Luke Musgrave really quick. Uh, Jordan Love threw nine passes, 10 if you include the pop pass, but really nine down the field. Three of those were targets for Luke Musgrave. So there was a stretch last week in family night where they threw three times in a row to Luke Musgrave. Tight end screen, crosser, seam route. 10 plays or 10 passes, really nine that were down the field. Three of them go to Musgrave. So there it was the one that he missed on the crosser and which is now, I guess I forgot this, but he missed the crosser last week in family night too. So that's one that they've got to get down. But the crosser that would have been a huge play on a third down, the tight end screen that would have been a huge play at it, not been batted down at the line of scrimmage. And then you had the little play on the second play of the game on the left side. But my point being here is that Musgrave is going to play a major part in this offense and going to get a ton of targets coming his way. So he has been the tight end one since day one, and he's going to be a very integral part. He and Dontavian Wicks also had very nice blocks on the Tyler Goodson, or yeah, Tyler Goodson touchdown run. So some really good stuff from Luke Musgrave, and he's going to continue to be a huge part of this offense in my opinion. Next up is Jaden Reed, the beautiful jumping catch, drew the pass interference down the field, had the pop pass for about five yards, looked very natural catching the ball as a punt returner, I want to go back to the jump pass though. One of the things that I noted very aggressively in the scouting report and on the video here, as soon as he was drafted and me doing the breakdown, is they used him at Michigan State like he was a 6'3 wide receiver. They threw jump balls to him like he was always going to come down with it. And he more often than not did. This is a player that may look small and is on the smaller side, but never ever plays small. He constantly plays big and goes up and gets contested catches and comes down with them consistently. Showed it in college on numerous occasions. This is his real first opportunity in the NFL and he came down with it. Never play short. I The more I watch him, the more he reminds me of Terry Glenn, who had clearly a phenomenal career in New England, had a cup of coffee at the end of his career in Green Bay. There is some real Terry Glenn to his game. Glenn always played big, much bigger than in very similar sizes, the same height. I think Glenn had about seven or eight pounds on him, but both of them played far bigger than what their their height was. And I, like I said, the more I watch Jaden Reed, the more I see some of Terry Glenn in his game. Keyshawn Nixon, one of the things I got super excited about early in OTAs and minicamps was his ability to blitz off the slot. I thought he was going to bring a ton of energy and intensity coming off the edge. He gets a sack early in the game. And then a couple plays later, has, or maybe even a play later, has the pass breakup on third down, he has some really fun stuff that he's going to be able to bring to the table from the slot. And I think we saw a little bit of a glimpse of that from Keyshawn Nixon. Unfortunately, it wasn't all good news. Two things that we have to talk about a injuries, Tyler Goodson left with a shoulder injury and hopefully it's shoulder. He got slammed to the ground with a player landing on top of him at the same time. And he kind of held here. You want shoulder, you don't want collarbone slash clavicle stuff. So hopefully it's just a shoulder and he can, you know, whatever, maybe it's just a separated shoulder or something, but it didn't look great uh, on the, on the field there. Caleb Jones left with an ankle injury. Matt LaFleur said he didn't know the severity in his post game press conference. Luke Tenuta carted off the field. That looked really bad and potentially, I mean, I don't want to ever guess anything, but when you see all of the players huddle around him and he leaves on the cart, you know, kind of hand over his face, Again, we don't want to jump to any conclusions, but that looks like it could be a very severe injury. Corey Ballantyne left with a stinger, but at least as of now, the biggest news, Tyler Davis, Matt LaFleur said is a significant injury. Basically, you know, uh, intimated that this is probably going to be, a, and he didn't say this, but you could just tell, probably a season ending injury for Tyler Davis. A couple things here. Tyler Davis had the most snaps of any player on special teams last year. That is a massive blow, a massive blow to Rich Pisashi's special teams. Secondly, tight end is all of a sudden very, very thin. Cameron McDonald, they released. Uh, Basically, Josiah Deguara has moved to fullback, H-back full-time. He's been in the fullback, H-back room in individual drills. He's been there. He's now listed there on the depth chart. He's been there with team. He's not really been tight end, and he's coming off the calf injury and has been a little bit banged up himself. You at tight end right now, at true tight end, have Luke Musgrave and and Tucker Craft and Austin Allen. And you look at the free agent group, OJ Howard just got released. That's kind of like a fun, sexy name because he was a, what, a former first round pick. He's struggled everywhere. He had a chance, you know, uh, you know clearly when he was drafted by Tampa and then he had an opportunity with Buffalo. I think Arizona had him and he's, he already got released this off season. Like, it has not been a easy go around for OJ Howard. And that might be the best tight end on the market. And that's not great. So they're going to probably be, have to be active on either like a, the trade market or the the waiver wire come 53-man roster cutdowns. I would assume that they're going to start working out some tight ends. They're going to bring in someone at tight end. There's zero chance that they don't bring in someone at tight end. They're not going to go with three for the remainder of preseason. Even if Taguara's back and ready to go, that's just far too few. And they're going to need some additional depth there and some competition for a number three tight end spot that right now is just Austin Allen, basically. So Really, really interesting at tight end. Brutal for Tyler Davis. Had the touchdown catch in this game. Is that a really nice camp? Looked to be a real part of the offense. And clearly special teams player number one, basically, for Basachia last year. So that's I know people are going to be like, that's just Tyler Davis, whatever. That is a, a fairly significant loss. And like I said, they're going to need a tight end. Of course, you would love for Mercedes-Lewis to be available. Oh, by the way, Tyler Davis was their best run blocking tight end as well. And Musgrave, not quite there yet, although he had a nice block in this game. Tucker Craft, not quite there. Austin Allen is not a blocking tight end. They don't have a blocking tight end on the roster. That's potentially a problem and something they're going to have to figure out moving forward. That's a bigger loss than I think people will realize, but bummer for Tyler Davis. Brutal for him and uh, rough for the Packers as well. It's going to be a tougher spot to fill than, like I said, I think people realize. And then Anders Carlson... Starts off three for three on the extra point. Although if you rewatch it, one, of I think it was the last one goes right and just sneaks in on the, you know, right by the upper right upright, which the, the next two extra points that he missed were to the right. So one of those was close, but he goes three for three from extra points and then crushes the 45 yard field goal. And it's like, okay, like it, this, he's got it down now. He's starting to settle down. He had a great week at, uh, at family night a week ago, but then Misses two straight extra points to end the game. Now neither snap was perfect, but neither were bad enough to miss an extra point. And we're to the point now where they're, they they got to bring somebody in, even if it's just to push him, even if it's whatever the case may be. Uh, Andre Schmidt, I don't know, S Z M Y T. Syracuse uh, kicker, undrafted free agent, was kicking pretty well in Chicago camp. There was never really a real comp, you know competition there because Cairo Santos was there and he just wasn't losing his job. So they released him this past week. I would have him in right away. I you know he's a he was a very accurate kicker at Syracuse. I would bring him in for competition. And I'm not saying that you need to release Anders Carlson or give up on him in any way, shape, or form. I certainly wouldn't do that yet. But you need to bring somebody in for competition. And if somebody beats him out, so be it. Your draft class looks awesome. If you missed on a fifth round kicker and everything else is looking the way that it is, we're good. No harm, no foul. You're going to be just fine, but you got to start bringing in some competition for him because it's just been far, far, far too inconsistent for Carlson so far. Now, next up on my list is three play, the three players that I thought helped themselves the most at first glance, and obviously I'll do a full all 22 review of this as soon as I get the tape as well. But at first glance, the three players that I thought helped them the most, number one, Sean Clifford. To me, he all but wrapped up QB number two. Certainly Alex Magoo is not in that conversation. Certainly Jordan is the one. So I just, I don't think they're going to bring anyone else in. Sean Clifford, probably it's game set match over. He's going to be QB two for the Packers this year. I thought he helped himself a ton in this game. Number two, Malik Heath. Malik Heath only had three catches for 36 yards, but I thought they were impressive. Three catches for 36 yards, had four targets. One, I didn't think he had a really great chance to catch the ball on the other one, but looked like a true legitimate possession receiver. He was looked very natural out on the field. And then he had that block where he blocked a corner like 10 yards off the field and like was pumped up about it afterwards. They found something there. He's making the 53. Mark it down right now. I will be shocked if Malik Heath does not make the 53. I thought he helped himself a ton in this game. And then Zach Tom, he's a starter. It's done. It's over with, put it to rest. Zach Tom is the fourth best offensive lineman. I don't care if it's at center at tackle. I would love it at tackle. I think he's looked really, really good at tackle, but he's the fourth starter. Like I said, it's done with, it's over with. So the three people I thought helped themselves the most, Sean Clifford, Malik Heath, and Zach Tom. Quick hits before we get out of here. Tyler Goodson was kick returner one. Again, he did eventually go out with the injury. Jaden Reed was punt returner one. What that means when they actually want to put Keyshawn Nixon back there, certainly Nixon's going to be kick returner one. Punt returner one, I think a little bit more up for grabs. I think that could be Jaden, but we'll wait and see there. Jonathan Ford, the defensive lineman, really nice night. Had one snap that he jumped perfectly and got up the field and out of pressure. A couple other really nice run stuffs. Like, I thought that was the best I've seen Jonathan Ford play probably ever. I thought it was a nice game from him. Royce Newman and Sean Ryan, I thought, struggled. Newman had a really tough game, holding penalty. Newman was playing in the fourth quarter in this game, which tells you all you need to know about him having to compete for his spot right now. And then Sean Ryan, he had the pressure that led to the, the, the Sean Clifford interception. There was some hope that you know maybe he was ready to take a next step. This was not a great indicator that he did have a couple really nice blocks as well. No question about it. There was some good stuff that he put on tape, but there were a couple plays, including that pressure that led to the pick six, that are going to need to get cleaned up moving forward. I thought Anthony Johnson Jr., late in the game, had a really nice day. He had the near pick towards the sidelines, and he had a couple uh, plays on special teams, a couple plays in the running game. That was the first time I've seen him flash at all. Uh, really in training camp. I think he had one play in OTAs or minicamp city that he made that I I forget what it was, but I remember calling him out for it. But uh, outside of that, this is is probably the best that I've seen Anthony Johnson Jr. play. At center, Josh Myers got the start at center. Then John Runyon Jr. uh, was the backup at center. He was the next man up and got a decent amount of playing time. And then Zach Tom was the third guy in the rotation at center. So they were rotating those guys. And then of course, some of the backups got in later, but interesting to see John Runyon Jr. get uh, some pretty decent playing time at center right after Josh Myers did. Carl Brooks had a sneaky night as well. You may, in, in fact, let's talk about this defensive line really quick for a second. We didn't see any sacks uh, outside of the Keyshawn Nixon one. The defensive line and edge rushers did not have any sacks. Go back and watch it. And there are a ton of collapsed pockets, uh, a lot of like removing or resetting the line of scrimmage. Like there was a lot of stuff where it was pressure and it was collapsing and it was resetting and it didn't show up in the box score, but it was effective. And I thought Carl Brooks was a piece of that. I thought he had a really quiet or uh, sneakily Uh, Impressive night that maybe again didn't show up on the box score, but he had the pressure on the Valentine interception and he was getting into the backfield on multiple different plays. So he had a sneaky night, but it was really impressive from him as well. All right. Last thoughts. Uh, I mentioned if you listen to my pregame show, I mentioned that if I were, I think the over under was, was, I don't know, it was like, it was really low. And I said, I think this is going to be a defensive struggle. And if I were you, or like, don't take this as betting advice, but I think I would lean towards the under. And of course they scored a million points, but remember I said, but, but I always get this stuff wrong. And if I were you, I would do the opposite of what I would say. So I told you, if you were smart and listened to me and knowing that I'm wrong with gambling stuff, And you took the over. You are welcome. So I'm I'm claiming that I was right, even though that I was wrong. If that makes any sense. Uh, But this is why you do not listen to me for gambling advice. If I was great at gambling, I would have won all my money already in Vegas, and I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now. That's not true. Even if I was a billionaire, I'd be doing this exact same thing because I love doing it. But uh, yeah, don't listen to me for gambling advice moving forward ever and ever ever. Practice will be on Sunday next. I will be there, and we'll see who is not practicing due to injury. And, you know, if there's any changes in any depth charts based on what happened in the game, that'll be a fun one to keep an eye on. That is not open to the public, just open to media, but I will be there and covering it. Uh, So I'll be right back here after that one with all of the updates from that practice. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. And PackadayPodcast.com, new swag, shirts, mugs, sweatshirts, anything you're looking for packadaypodcast.com. We finally got some uh, stuff for you guys to buy over on the, the shop. So check that out again over at packadaypodcast.com. That does it for me today. Thank you for joining me. I'll be right back here tomorrow. Again, subscribe if you haven't already, but until next time, and as always, go pack go.